And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light. He's Ari Wasserman. Ari, good afternoon. You want to talk recruiting? Yeah, let's talk recruiting, Mitch. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I want to start. We had two quarterbacks come off the board last night. One of them, we'll, we'll, go, we'll, we'll go back in a few minutes and talk about William Watson III from your favorite state of Massachusetts, who committed to Nebraska. But I think we have to start the show with Braden Dorman, a four-star from Colorado who committed to your University of Arizona Wildcats. Just a great start. I know it's their second commit, but a great start for the second full cycle for Jed Fish and that staff after just a breakthrough class last year. And uh, if, you're an, if you're an Arizona fan, like, are you almost mad, even madder about Kevin Sumlin now that Jed Fish is showing what can be done there? This is ridiculous. You know, it's interesting because I do have some friends who who uh, root for Arizona sports because obviously we went there. And there's just a sense of apathy when it comes to the football program. It's kind of just like they suck and we accept that. You know what I mean? Even though I they think, won a division title within the last six or seven yeah, years. Yeah, right? yeah. It just I think that there's a a sense of it's hopeless that we'll ever be really, really good. And I've always pushed back on that. And, you know, when Kevin Sumlin was the coach, it just kind of felt like it's hopeless. But for people who don't really pay attention to the minutia of the sport, it wasn't because it was impossible. It was because he wasn't trying very hard. And, you know, I see Jed Fish sign the top, the, the first top 25 class in program history. And I think, A, that's a tremendous job because nobody expected that for his first full cycle. Especially this wasn't done on the heels of like a breakthrough season where they overachieved. For two thirds of the season, they were on paper like one of the worst Pac-12 teams in the past 10 years. That's they right. They were awful. That's they got right. better at the end of the year. And he, from afar, I've seen that he's really tried to emphasize, uh, you know, living in Tucson and the cool place that it is and he's trying to make bring energy back to the university of arizona football program which i think is interesting um and sometimes stinking in my opinion is a good sales pitch because you go get good players and you say hey you know what we need you to be better we don't want to be like this anymore with you we won't be and sometimes that's more attractive to prospects than come be the sixth best cornerback on the roster next year when you're a top 50 player so you know arizona didn't land a top 50 player last year. T-Mac was number 51, which I think is the highest rated player they've ever signed in the history of recruiting out of California. And it just goes to show you that like very few power five programs are hopeless, you know? And again, when you say hope and you use hope as, as a word, what are you talking about? It's different at every program. I don't think anybody hopes that U of A is going to win a national championship, but I do think that they've played in the Fiesta Bowl in, in the recent past, and they're a fun place to to go to school. And when they're playing well and have exciting offense, it's, it's much watched TV. Like they could be one of the best pack. Like if you brand it Pac-12 after dark, you know, the same way that the Mac has branded Maction. If you brand if you brand the Pac-12 that way, and it's a fun brand of football that people can watch after a long day of watching football, I think you could market Arizona as one of the funnest teams to watch if you build it that way. So, I mean, if I worked there, I would certainly try to lean into those types of things. And it seems like Jed Fish is doing that, taking pictures by by the pool in his backyard and, and all those things. Now, the thing that I will I, th- I think is super interesting and maybe it won't have an impact on U of A, but California is super competitive now. And, you know, they did beat T-Mac out for USC last year or USC in for Oregon, T-Mac right. last year. But I don't think that U of A is going to be going head to head with USC for the prospects that USC wants in California anyway. So which is fine. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But also, that's the case for a lot of other schools like Arizona State and other Pac-12 schools that you California that use California as a as a main territory. 
So I wonder if it'll be harder for Arizona to get the California type prospect that they've been getting too, because if it's harder to get the top player, then it's in, it's it, it just goes down the scale. It's harder to get the second tier player. It's harder to get the third tier player. Um, so I wonder what his, you know, momentum will look like when it comes to California, whether they'll branch out to go into some other states. Here's a here's a novel idea. Why don't they just start kicking ass in their own state? And that's kind of what I was going to say next. Like you said, very few power five jobs are hopeless as far as recruiting. There's some that are a lot more difficult. And just let's compare Arizona to Colorado. You know, Braden Dorman is from Colorado. Colorado is a program with more history probably in the past 20 years. Yeah. I know they both had their pockets, but Colorado's won a national title. But just look at, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know this, but just look at the in-state talent at Arizona com- compared to a Colorado or some other states. And it's it's far superior. Now, it's well documented that Arizona and Arizona State have not done a good job keeping that talent home. Well, this is, and I want to talk a little bit later. I don't know if you saw Arizona State AD's Ray Anderson's comments earlier, but this is a great time to be recruiting for the University of Arizona right now with what's going on at Arizona State. They, they barely had a recruiting class last year. So I, and to your California point, I think it's, all, it's almost better for a school like Arizona when USC is recruiting at an elite level. Now they've got to play against them. That's another thing. But if USC is getting just the very best of the best, they're, they're probably not going to beat them anyway. So that opens up that next tier. Again, there's a lot of competition for it. Um, but I, I think Arizona football right now is in a great spot from a recruiting standpoint with what they did last year, what they have to fight against in-state, Arizona State, the amount of players in-state, and the fact that they're starting off their 2023 class with a you know a top two, 250 quarterback. I think it's an interesting point that you make, Mitch, but let me tell you something. Last year what? was the best uh, class in the history of U of A football. Yeah. And they got four out of their 22 signees out of Arizona. So obviously well, I know. that's not so enough. That's, they need to... But the imagine if they start player. recruiting well in state. Off the top of your head, just guess what the highest rated player in Arizona they got was last year. Uh, you know, in the cl- in in the state or overall, like their overall in ranking. Their, their overall ranking, yeah. Uh, four fifty, seven fifty. Okay, so like it's like they're so way isn't that down good there. news that 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 means yeah. that they, they there's still there's so much meat on the bone in state. And he was the number eleven player in the state of Arizona. Other players in Arizona went to A and M, Ohio State. West Virginia, Notre Dame, Texas, two to Washington, Kansas State, and Michigan State. Now, here's what I, when I look at that, I say, well, Anthony Lucas is a a top 60 player in the 2022 class uh, who goes to Scottsdale Chaparral. If that guy wants to go to A&M, what's Arizona going to do? You know, you got to try, but probably not going to win that battle. Keon Gray's out of Chandler is a top 100 receiver. He goes to Ohio State. What are you going to do? But then I start looking and I say, is there a reason why Nico Marchial went to West Virginia instead of Arizona? Like, why why is Arizona losing battles to West Virginia? You know, and I'm not saying that West Virginia is not a great place for him and, and Nico won't do well there. But you got to look at who who is winning some of these battles. And you have to ask yourself, should we reasonably expect to compete against these teams? Which I think is an interesting way of looking at recruiting because sometimes you just go, well, these guys went there and, and oh, Arizona didn't get them. They stink. And just like, well, there's a certain class of, of school that they're not directly competing with yet. And if you do have a, a five-star or a fringe five-star prospect in the state of Arizona, I don't know if it's necessarily fair to expect that U of A is going to win that battle but I expect them to beat out Washington for guys. I expect them to beat out West Virginia, Kansas state, Michigan state. Like, I, I don't think that that's unreasonable. So yeah. if you look at the, and the fact of the matter is too, none of the top 10 players in the state of Arizona last year went to ASU either. Like both of them have been terrible with in-state recruiting. And I think part of it is because the, the kids in the state of Arizona, a lot of them, aren't from there. So there's no real inherent connection to the schools that are in Arizona, but geography does play a part, obviously. And there is just a ton of really good talent. And it's funny. um, I went to high school with a kid named Ira Sewell. He married into a family and his and Ari uh, people used to make that joke all the time. Very good friend of mine in high school. His nephew is a kid named Trayson. Burgett. And I think he might be the starting quarterback at Arizona State next year because Jaden Daniels just transferred. This was like an unranked, basically walk-on prospect who ranked in the top 
We're number 18 in the state of Arizona, which is getting down there in the rankings. And it's just like he went to Tucson South Point. They live in Tucson now. And it's like, why is that kid not on Arizona's roster? You know, and there, there are certain places where I feel like they can make up the gaps. But also, too, I do think that recruiting in between 35 and 25 is a reasonable place to expect them to finish every year. Yeah. Uh, how much of it is this, too? You've got a, I don't know if generation's a strong word, but you've, you've got a, a group of recruits that have come up in the last five to eight years when Arizona, except for that Fiesta Bowl year with Richrod, has not been good. It, it's not cool. It's clearly not cool to stay in state if, you, if you're a prep player in Arizona. So a lot of them just don't even consider it. Now, Jed Fish comes in, signs a top 25 class, getting all these kids from California. Now it's suddenly a little bit cooler to go to Arizona. So I think that will turn some heads locally that, hey, Arizona's changing. Like the local kids didn't want to be the ones to jump on board first because it's not cool to do so. So I think that can – I saw that here in, in Nashville with James Franklin. You know, Vanderbilt's been a recruiting afterthought. James Franklin made going to Vanderbilt cool for mid-state kids for a few years. And I think that's an interesting takes, thought to think that you can improve your stature in-state by being successful out-of-state. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, well, it's because kids grow up. For, for you know, in the the local team, when the local team's not doing well, there's bad, there's just bad aura, there's bad karma around it, media attention, everyone rips on them. They're surrounded by that, so they they don't want to necessarily be a part of that. But the kid from California or the kid from Nevada that you're recruiting, he doesn't hear all that stuff every day, so it doesn't affect him. So I I, I do think that there's something to that. I bet they will. I would be surprised if they don't start recruiting better out of state, especially if they have some success. You mean in state? And excuse me, in-state, if they have some, especially if they have some success on the field this year. Here's what I'm going to say about U of A, because I have an intimate knowledge of it, having grown up in Arizona and, and went there. People don't give a shit about Arizona football. Their fans don't. Their, is that their marketing slogan? No, I'm, but I'm serious. Like, yeah. my first beat as a reporter, Arizona lacrosse. But then I got my sophomore year, they made me the beat writer of the Arizona football team. And like everybody at the student newspaper aspired to cover basketball because that's what everybody cares about there. But I like football more than basketball. So I always wanted to lean into football. And when I was on the beat and it was during a time where they were pretty good. Mike Stoops, Willie Suitama, Mark Stoops, Mark Stoops was the defensive coordinator one year. Um, I was there and it it just people just even when they were pretty good, the, the passion around the program is just there's too much apathy around it. And even when they're pretty good, it's just like, eh. And I don't know if a coach can fix that. That's the only thing that scares me. And it's just like when I went and I, I a few years ago when I was still in the Ohio State beat, I went to Tucson to write a story about Bijan Robinson for an Ohio State audience. And when I got there and I was talking to Bijan Robinson and some of the other other people that went to South Point Catholic, I just they just got a sense that like whenever I brought Arizona, they're just like, oh, my God, who cares? You know what I mean? And it's just yeah. like. It's not even it's worse than sucking and people being mad about it. That's the thing. Like, how did Kevin Sumlin get away with sucking so bad for so many years? It's like, did people even care to notice? Like, or did it take like me going down there and realizing that this is awful and things aren't going right for people to actually like that was the first Arizona story on the athletic website that I feel like anybody even read, you know, and it's just kind of like, how do you get people to care? How do you get people to have an angry reaction when you lose? How do you get people to come to your building and, and expect you to be competitive? Because like that's step one. I, it's like, don't give a shit. And then the next part is, I'm angry when we lose. Then the first part is, we're going to be better than this and demanding more. And like, I think they're still kind of like teetering in that I don't give a shit area when they should probably be in like, we need to be better and we're really bought into this. And I think Jed Fish has done a pretty good job of kind of moving the needle on that you, scale. You know, it's a, a comparable program, I think. Although I would say that the, the baseline, there's more give a shit. It's a good meter. Years ago it's a good meter, Kentucky, the, give, the for, give a shit meter. For Kentucky football? Yeah. I think it's similar to Kentucky football. Now, I, I think there was more give a shit at Kentucky than maybe Arizona eight years ago. But watch a Kentucky football game now with Mark Stewart. You know, yeah. usually the place no, is full. it's the perfect excite. example. Yeah, they, it's just, but it's a basketball how school. hard it is. Yeah, it tells you how hard it is. It's seven years. It's incremental. I know, but Kentucky would would have won the Pac-12 three out of the last five years if they were in that conference. Yeah. So, um, and I do think too, like 
when you look at the schools, you see basketball school with football program that nobody really cared about. You have to also take into account, too, that the Kentucky University like bought into the program. Like yes. Kentucky's facilities are insanely good. Um, is Kentucky the South? Yes. I don't know if that's offensive, but like I just it's no, so no, it's not the some the easiest question. Yes, it's the South. I mean, I, I there's a lot of Kentucky natives in, in here in Nashville, and I think if you ask them, they would consider themselves Southerners. Now, there's certain part like if you live in Western Kentucky, which is basically the Tennessee border, you definitely you're in the South. There's some people that probably live on the over the Ohio River since suburban Cincinnati. Cincinnati. They would, yeah, I don't know if they would identify as. I just always felt that was weird because like oh, Columbus, Ohio, where I used to live, is not the South. And it would only be like a two and a half hour drive to get to Lexington. And I was just like, am I in the South now? Um, but there is more interest in football in that area of the country, too. So yeah. and there's more talent in their area, too. So like Mark Stoops, funny enough, who's connected directly to Arizona, um, went to a place that he would have administrative buy in at. And I don't know where Arizona is on that scale and, and is closer to players. So the, the build there was easier. But to make Kentucky football into a team that's a tough out in the SEC, even when they're playing Florida and beating Florida and, and beating some of those teams and, and playing with some of those teams that are really, really good is the exact type of job that Jed Fish needs to do. And I think if he does it as well as Mark Stoops did, you could win the Pac-12 there. That's the thing with Kentucky. You, There's only a certain ceiling that you're ever going to achieve there. Like no matter how well they've recruited, and I've, I've written about it a lot, this is the ceiling for what that program probably will ever be. Like they come in a perfect storm this year with a great team. And, oh, by the way, Georgia's the best team in oh, football. Oh, by the yeah. way, two yeah. teams in your conference are playing for the national title three months yeah. later. Yeah. And it's like at U of A, if you somehow beat USC, you get them at home and beat them. I mean, Arizona Stadium gets loud, too. I mean, I've been yeah. there, uh, you know, quite did a bit. Did you go to Arizona? Yeah. Okay. Did you go to Vanderbilt? Yes, I did. Okay, cool. So we're both, <laughs> we both talked about our favorite schools now. We can move on. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Yeah, actually, let, let's move on. Uh, but some love, love the Arizona talk. I love going really deep dives in programs like that. It's, it's good stuff. Uh, go back to Nebraska real quick. They got a quarterback commitment last night. William Watson the third, a three-star from Massachusetts. Um, there's been more Massachusetts recruiting talk in the past two or three weeks probably than on any podcast ever. Um, there, was a, there was a connection there. Mark Whipple, who they just hired as offensive coordinator from Pitt previously – uh, head coach at UMass, he, he he knew Watson from when Watson, I think, was in middle school there. Uh, he's ranked number um, 625 overall dual threat. Earlier in the week, Nebraska also got a uh, Omaha kid, Sam Sledge, whose dad played there, rated number 566. The importance of that, and Mitch Sherman wrote about it, our Nebraska writers, he's, he's from Omaha, and they struck out last year on Omaha kids or from the Omaha, whatever the league is, the public league. Um Luke Montgomery, no surprise to Ohio State, number 49 overall. Uh, Bill Landis uh, drove up to Finlay, Ohio. Is it Finlay? Finlay? Is that how you pronounce Finley. it? Finlay. Finlay, okay. Ohio, number four um, offensive tackle in the country. Don't spend too much time on this, but I think people that follow recruiting, but maybe not the minutia of specific schools are, would be surprised about how difficult it's been for Ohio State to to land elite level offensive tackles. They basically recruited every other position well. That's why this is was such an important get. Now he's an in-state kid, grew up an Ohio State fan, but they they needed to get him. They have not been great at the offensive tackle position from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the way that Ohio State's recruited um, every other position, it's like a, an embarrassing wealth of talent. 
And then you look at the offensive tackle position, and they, they've gotten really good players. But a lot of these players have been from Ohio. So, like, they've done a good job. Like, I mean, Paris Johnson Jr. was the number 10 player overall in his class. Nicholas petit Freire was uh, a five-star prospect who was rated higher. Like, I mean, they've gotten guys. But they haven't been able to recruit the offensive tackle position nationally as well as they have other positions. So, like, this is a huge get for Ohio State because – doesn't really matter where the kid's from as long as you get a body at a position of need. And they did that. But I'm not necessarily convinced that Ohio State is repaired with their offensive tackle recruiting just based off of getting some kid that probably would have gone there no matter who the coach was. Right, right. And, you know, new offensive line coach Justin Fry, right, from uh, from UCLA, been at BC before, um, you know, got a good reputation. He's never had to recruit at this level. So that's something to watch from that position going forward. Uh, Jaleel... Uh, Hurley, a five-star cornerback from Alabama, commits to Alabama yesterday as well. In the noteworthy part of this, Ari, and we've talked about this a little bit, the, the class in Alabama this year is just unbelievable. It's like, like Nick Saban needed any help. In-state, there are five, and now the rankings will change over time, but in the class of 2023, there are five five-star players, 11 top 100 players from Alabama, 21 blue chippers, and the state's not that big. Last year... One five-star, five top 100 players, 16 blue chippers. So basically, at least from the, – the, there's more than twice as many top 100 players in the state. Especially, you know, Alabama has the edge on Auburn in recruiting anyway, but especially with what's going on in Auburn. If Alabama wants these kids, they're going to get them. So, again, like they need any what would help. You set the, what would you set the over-under on? Of the 11 top of 100 players? the 11 players? top 100 players in the state of Alabama. Assuming they, they want them all? Yeah, they, I'm, like I'm sure no, they will. Usually top 100 is a pretty good indication that they're good enough. Yeah, I mean, there could be some off-the-field thing where yeah. you just never know. Just, like, just uh, set the over-under for whatever reason. Uh, eight and a half. I would, take, I would take the over. You would? Okay. But here's the thing that's interesting. It's not even that Alabama didn't, or, you know, like Alabama didn't need the help. I'm curious how Nick Saban does it. Like, I'm wondering if there are five-star prospects the same positions that there will be players in the top 10 there that are that would have otherwise been takes but then Alabama doesn't have room for because they got a better one from national ranks now I wonder if Nick Saban is going to take all these guys and fill up half his class with Alabama kids and then I think that what you're going to see as a result of all that is that other programs are going to recruit their region better because Alabama can't take them away as much so I wonder if they sign 25 guys in the 23 cycle, how many will be from the state of Alabama? And if the answer is 10, then that's like 15, that's like 10 or seven, maybe conservatively guys that they won't take out of Florida or Texas or California, which will then give a lot of these first year coaches in different regions an opportunity to really clean up on some of the talent that they have in their own backyard. So like, I, I just like, I'm very curious because Alabama has been so successful recruiting nationally that like in a year where they can just take the layup i wonder if they're still going to like go get more five-star prospects and not take yeah because it is evaluating too it's not just nick saban looking at the 247 you know rankings he's not i know but those guys the top 100 guys are the easiest to evaluate in the entire country sure. because they're but there'll the be best. some fluctuation there'll, so be, like there'll usually, be a lot of movement i've, I've probably not in the top 20 but in from 60 into 100, there's going to be a lot of movement. There's going to be some guys, a lot of guys who move into the top yeah. 100. But real, I mean, how many players in the in the top 200 did Alabama take overall? Last year? By, by the uh, way, by six, I, six of look the um, 11 top 100 guys are D linemen. So what what would they take all six? I mean, that's you know, that, there's some posi- yeah, that's the, uh, that. Oh, yeah. that changes things a little bit then. Um, but are you you got it open? Okay, you got so it open. it's like one, two. Three, four, five, six out of their uh, 24 signees, uh, or seven, including hard commit Walter Bob, um, were outside of the top 150. Okay. Um, so so there, right. there's room. We'll move on. You want to talk about the state of Iowa? Well, we're going to talk about the state of Iowa. Did a little research. I, I would love we talked to talk about Arizona. About We've talked Iowa. about Alabama. We talked about Kentucky. So let's move to Iowa. So, yeah, let's move to I- So this is like the the touching yeah, them all segment of Star Matter. Okay. UMass. 
we go coast to coast. We go in Arizona to UMass here. Just yeah. like your friend. Just like your friend. Okay. Well, I like I like the yeah. flow of the show um, though. Keep going. I want to talk about Iowa's surprising. I guess not surprising, but Iowa's dominance over Iowa State in in-state recruiting. Because Iowa just got a commitment from our last week or so, Alex Mota, a three-star athlete, ranked number 448 nationally. So I, I did a little research because just following this stuff, it just seems like Iowa was always beating Iowa State for in-state commitments. So um, are you paying attention? Did you go to – yeah, yeah. yeah did so you do the math? 14 – over the last five years, 14 in-state players who ranked in the top 500 nationally, that was my cutoff, top 500 nationally, have signed with either Iowa or Iowa State. How many do you think Iowa got? How many was the total in-state again? in-state players who ranked... 11. You're looking at the notes, right? No, I'm not looking at the notes. I just You said there was yeah, a lot, 11. so I guessed. Iowa, Iowa State signed three. Overall, during the span, Iowa has signed 33 in-state players. Iowa State has signed 19. The average in-state rank of Iowa's 33 signees is 8th. The Iowa average in-state rank of Iowa State's 11 in-state signees is 10.8. Last year, the you know one of the uh, Bill Landis wrote about him, but we've talked a lot about on the show from Southeast Polk um, Xavier Nwankpa. Xavier Nwankpa. Uh, yeah, it's like saying his um, name. Signed with Iowa, Caden Proctor, his teammates now a 2023 kid, number one offensive tackle in the country. Iowa is in there with Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Penn State. Iowa State is not in there. Um, Noamka's finalist was Notre Dame, Ohio State, uh, along with Iowa. It, I mean, I don't know any theories. It's, you know, I was I I I, I, I was a better program, obviously, but. Matt Campbell has been a hot name. Everyone loves Matt Campbell. Everyone loves talking Iowa State football. Does that I've got okay. two theories. One, does that make you more impressed with Matt Campbell or less impressed yes with Matt Campbell? Yes and no. Like it's it's more impressive that they've enjoyed success without being able to attract the top players in a state that doesn't produce a lot of talent. So both. Well, I wonder too how much of that is interest in those players. They're both kind of they're both kind of developmental State, programs. It's I, not like Yeah, I know, but Iowa State recruits I don't know, maybe they're very similar territories, I guess, but Iowa State seems to have its fingers in a lot of different states. Yeah, Iowa State's more like, Iowa State's in Ohio, Iowa State's in Texas. Like, I mean, they're everywhere. Arizona. Um, here's my thing. I wonder if Matt Campbell being one of the hottest young coaching names in college football hinders Iowa State from taking the next step because I wonder if people are anticipating that he's going to leave. I'm sure I mean how many recruits it impacts, I don't know. But I'm sure it's I'm sure it's been a factor for some kids like you it's can't like, get if, more if, stability if you than always Iowa. talk about it, I, you always talk about uh how recruits are hindered from the lack of stability because a coach might get fired. But you never hear that there's a program that has a lack of stability because the coach might leave for a better job. I think it's I think it's a thing. I mean, it can, I mean, it, you you yeah. asked for theories. That's what we do on the podcast. Yeah, I'm giving you I'm, a theory. It, it, it's like if there's an Iowa kid who wants to go play at a program that they know what that program is and what it's going to be for the next five years. You go to, you go to Iowa. Then yeah. you go to Iowa. They both have yeah. great fans. I mean, Iowa State's fans are incredible considering the lack of success in that program. I've never been to Iowa State's uh, an Iowa State game at home, but I heard their stadium is awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kinnick yeah, is awesome, Ames too. is supposed to be pretty cool. I've never been. I've, I've heard it described as Athens, sort of like Athens, Georgia, of the, I don't know, is that Midwest, Upper Midwest, Plains? I get, you know, I don't want to offend anyone by calling it the yeah. wrong region. What would you call Iowa? The Midwest still? I don't know. I don't even know what Texas Southwest? is. Southwest? No. You think Dallas yeah. is in the Southwest? Southwest Conference, baby. I mean, I grew up in the Southwest. I don't think we ever viewed Texas as a part of that. Okay. I also don't know anything That's about geography. Well, so, well I mean, documented. What Nebraska's the Midwest? Plains, I guess. Iowa's... No, no, Iowa's okay, the Midwest. I was the Midwest. Is Nebraska the Midwest or is Nebraska the Plains? I don't know what the... What <laughs> makes Nebraska, the South Dakota... I don't know. 
Our next guest, we need a geography professor. I didn't even know that South Dakota was the Yeah, maybe I'll I'll track down like a geography uh, expert. I took a geography class at Vanderbilt once. Yeah, it was not what I thought it was going to be. Oh, you went to Vanderbilt? I thought it was going to be easy. It was summer school. No, it wasn't summer school. Do you ever go to summer school? What's the tri-state area? Well, there's several tri-state areas. The tri-state where I grew up was New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. The Great Plains. Kansas, Nebraska, North Dakota, and South Dakota. So Iowa would be... Part of, parts of U.S. states, Colorado, Iowa, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Texas, and Wyoming. So I guess Texas is so big that they're in the southwest, the plains. Texas and the is south. its own animal. Like Houston is the south, right? I would say it's southwest. I think people in Houston probably identify more with the people of Atlanta than they do with the people of Phoenix. Yeah, I guess so. I think it's time to move I on. Know. I don't think we're going to solve any geography okay. issues here. Well, I mean, I yeah. learned about the plains, and I'm sure people listen. You learned this about New England too. a couple of weeks ago, right? I, yeah, um, I did. A couple interesting hires. Miami hires Charlie Strong, linebackers coach, co-DC, strengthening an already strong recruiting staff down there with the Hurricanes. And this one, maybe a little off the radar, Georgia hires Fran Brown. From Rutgers, he was Rutgers defensive backs coach. Very good recruiter from Camden, New Jersey. He's just another good recruiter on Georgia's staff, but was Rutgers' top recruiting assistant coach. Ari, I'll ask you, is that how big of a blow to Rutgers is that, or is this just, this is Greg Shiano's show? Yeah, I, I, uh, I think we should like spend 20 minutes talking about how Georgia has a direct path into Jersey now and how Rutgers is going to fail because of it. Um, I think that assistants are obviously very important. I think that the coach and the way the program is positioned, the head coach, I mean, is the most important thing. So I don't, I, I like what Rutgers did last year. I like their positioning in, in Jersey. I like what the high school coaches in the state of New Jersey believe Greg Schiano is about. And, uh, I don't know if it's a, a death blow. I mean, Rutgers isn't recruiting against Georgia. It's so, not great. News, I mean, but it's it's not it's not the best news. No, I don't know if it's like okay, everybody who got back on the Rutgers bandwagon the last two years in the state of New Jersey get off now. Yeah. So it's uh, w- was noteworthy. I know I, you know I follow a lot of New Jersey media columnists and stuff from growing up there, and and you know it was there was a lot of oh no this this is not good for. Not good for Rutgers recruiting. Um, I referenced two things I referenced earlier. Um, quarterbacks with with um, Braden Dorman and William Watson off the board. Well, Watson's not a top 17 player, so it doesn't affect this. But nine of the top 17 2023 QBs are off the board. You know, I guess it's kind of what you'd expect. I think the dominoes will continue to continue to fall. Um, any any thoughts on that? I yeah. Mean, just, just, Probably in two months, it's going to be like half. Why? You get the the opening is the opening camps will start soon, and then coming was it June the 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 finals, and that's when yep. you know by, it seems like by the opening last year, all, end of June, all July, the yeah, guys had already you know committed. Yeah, I went last year, and I think ninety percent of the players that were at the camp, the finals, yeah. were committed. Um, so I referenced this earlier. I know you uh, you're on sort of on paternity leave, but you're plowing through. You're working hard. Did you see Ray Anderson's comments on NIL? The Arizona, you know, Arizona State basically gave Herm a vote of confidence. Did you see what Ray Anderson said? Yes. Okay, I'll read. Yep. Um, says, don't. What does it matter if I saw if they said it? You're going to read it listeners. anyway. Okay. You don't have to be have, so I, aggressive. Like you always say on Slack, don't yell at me when I'm not yelling. Why? Why are you yelling at me? Why are you yelling at um, me? He says, don't expect Arizona State to be a heavy hitter with NIL deals. So they plan to differentiate themselves by focusing on developing players for the NFL. Ari, this okay? No, oh, let good. me let me let me set oh, you up. Oh, calm down I, for a second. Calm down. Okay, I, I, calm down, Sparky. Is it? That, well, it's because sh- it's moronic. Compare this in just absurdity to our friends, your friend Dan Mullen and our friend Jimmy Lake's comments about recruiting. Is it? This is in that realm. What Dan Mullen said about talking about recruiting when it's time to talk about recruiting was the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. This is close. And I don't know. 
and I'm not saying that he meant it. I'm just saying the fact that he didn't right. know what to say there is dumb. Because we, we've, we've, I don't defend it's the right word. It was clear he didn't mean like they don't recruit until after the season, but just the message it portrayed. But this is what Ray Anderson, he said what he means here. They're going to, Ari, this is bold. They're going to start developing guys from the NFL. No one has ever tried to do that before. No right. one's ever done that before. Also, they've been really, really good at it. <laughs> the only buddy, the only person who can say that is the athletic director at Alabama right. or Ohio State or Georgia or one of the teams that churns out NFL. And even then, it's what dumb. were the people in the Arizona State recruiting department thinking? Also, he doesn't have any control right. over that. What does he? He has no control over it. If everybody in Scottsdale wanted to, to open up their wallets and pay Arizona State players. For, for endorsements, what does the athletic director have anything to do with that? Makes It's nonsensical. Also, great job helping Arizona State differentiate themselves. Yeah, on did you hear what I said trip. before? Like the, the, the staffers be, who work in like 20 hours a week, the recruiting staffers, this really made their job a lot probably easier. Just, yeah. Every single time Herm Edwards walks into somebody's living room, they have to play that YouTube yeah. video for him. Have fun, bud. Let me know how it works out for you. Hey, you, you know who loves this? Arizona Jet State Fish is a train this. wreck. Arizona State is a train wreck. Yeah. They cheated during COVID and signed like a number 51 overall class. We, 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 we agree. Doing? Like that is the worst possible cheating of all time. Like given dropping the bag when it wasn't legal. The, the, it's like cheating at Monopoly and ending up yeah. bankrupt first. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Like honestly, anybody oh, yeah. listening to this, like if you're in Arizona State. Like, I blocked up like say? 10 minutes for your rant, but you've not, I mean, yeah, right. Yeah, all, all of our all of our kids are going to now come to Arizona State because we're going to develop them better than Alabama for the. We're not going to pay you, and we're also not going to develop you as well as every other program in America. But we're going to differentiate ourselves while also keeping the coach that blatantly cheated during uh, during uh, COVID and, and putting everybody's safety at risk, and also hasn't won shit since he's been there. So, all right, let me know how it goes for you, ASU. Now I'm going to get a bunch of they're going to play that clip, and I'm going to get a bunch of radio requests to do radio in Phoenix. And then everyone's going to call me a U of A homer. Yeah, and they're going to play the first 15 minutes of this pod. We're talking about how great Arizona can be. That's what, that's, but that's what happens, yeah. though, when you make a yeah. comment. Yeah. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right. Um, you want to take some questions in the mailbag? I went through your mailbag sure. this week because you didn't write one, but it's okay. Yeah, I right. wasn't feeling right. well. Ari, Ari didn't feel well. I don't want to write a column this week, so um, Okay. Uh, Pablo O has a question. <laughs> While making it rain yeah. all weekend from the playoff yeah. <laughs> column that I wrote <laughs> on a Sunday, is there a path? I mean, this is an obvious, obvious. There's a clear, wise ass answer to this question. But is there a path to Notre Dame ever recruiting on par with top three in college football? Yes, signing yes. top three classes. I mean, there's so so how. Well, I mean, I think what they're—I sure. think that what the question is saying is, what yeah. do they need to do to? And they're off to a good start in twenty twenty three. I think they're, that, they're, yeah, I think that hiring a likable coach is a pretty good start. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to be an asshole, but you know, Marcus Freeman's a very likable, passionate person. Notre Dame has recruited top one hundred players. Um, you know, I don't know. I honestly don't know 
and you you can answer this because you're a Vanderbilt man and you know more about academia than and you've got kids who are either in college or picking colleges. What percentage of Notre Dame's ceiling is attributed to their academic standard? Because like if you think, do you think that they don't sign top five no. classes because they don't they can't get all those kids so. in? I don't either. So if you if you don't think so, and let's just say just to be conservative that it's a ten yeah, percent. I think it's good. I I will tell you, Stanford's academics requirements, and I think I know the I I I think I'm speaking with some authority on this. Like if I think Stanford of all the academic oriented Power Five schools, Stanford's requirements for its football players are on another tier. All the other ones, Northwestern, Vanderbilt, Duke, Wake Forest. I don't know, you can get kids in. Your pool isn't as big, but you can get kids in. You can't go to bat with for kids who end up failing out in a year, screwing up. Like you, you need to go to bat for the right kids, but you can get kids in. And the person who's talking has the U.S. and World Report. Uh, if you're going to make fun of me, you got to get it right. Paste yeah, it to a ceiling. It's what US is it? News what is it? Report. U.S. News and World Report. I pasted not. to his ceiling, so he's got something to. I've got a new. I've got a new, to, well, in his bedroom, not in his office, in his bedroom, so he has something to look at when he wakes up in the morning every day. You know where that joke was <laughs> headed, and I and I veered it to another direction. So <laughs> uh, he went to Vanderbilt, everyone. Um, but yeah, I think that Notre Dame with the likable head coach, um, it's a very special place. It, it is kind of what you think of when you think of it's college awesome. football. I went for the first time um, three years ago. It's great. It's it's great. South Bend's a great place. I, I could see why somebody would want to play there. I think you also have to take into account, too, that going there is a culture shock to a lot of people. So, like, you, it's not just the academics. It's also, do you want to go to a private Catholic school? Because, you know, you don't just walk into the city of Houston and, and recruit a kid that goes to a public school and say, hey, you want to come do it this way and, and think that everybody's going to want to. So I think that Notre Dame has some some obstacles that it has to navigate that other schools don't. But it's not like they're recruiting top 25 classes. I mean, they're yeah. in the top 10. So, you know, and there's plenty of kids, I think, that would want to play there for the right guy. So I'm very curious to see how Marcus Freeman does. Yeah, um, totally agree. Here's an interesting one. Since you talk about your desire as a recruit that you go to USC because you, your passion for Southern California, if you were a high-level FCS GF recruit, would you be more drawn – this is from Kale – F, would you be more drawn to a school like James Madison saying, come compete against the best FBS? I guess he's saying that because James Madison's actually moving up from FCS to FBS, so that's kind of a weird example. Or a school like North Dakota State saying, come here to win a national championship, even if it's the FCS level. So that's, I guess, if, you, if Ari Wasserman, you're ranked, you're the 852nd ranked fullback, and you have offers from... 852nd ranked fullback? 852nd. I was going to say, but I don't know if... <laughs> you have offers, you have offers uh, from elite national championship contender FCS schools or mid-to-bottom tier MAC and Sunbelt schools. Where do you go? I would probably want to go to the highest level I could play. At. Okay, that's interesting. I, 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 I would love to hear people's feedback i would probably go to the school like where the, the big the bigger dog the bigger fish in a smaller pond like the north dakota state the same one of one of my wife's best friends um, you're not married husband who's a good friend of mine now i'm basically married i've made a larger commitment than most okay. married people having a child is a more of a commitment than uh you, you can't annul a child um so he won a national championship at Valdosta oh, State. D he played D2, there. right? And like he tells yeah. people about that. I think it's yeah. D two. It's either D two yeah. or D three. And I know that people in Georgia, like I know Seth Emerson yeah. wrote a really good story about it. No one gives a <laughs> shit. So you weren't impressed? Like I think it's awesome for him. Like and I it's awesome that he's he has his national championship ring. It means a lot to him, but like it's not like people would be like any more or less impressed by his college experience than it would have been if he went five and five at Ohio U. I'd want to go to the place that that the student body cares the most about the football team. Well, I, I would think at North Dakota they State they the care more level. than at Eastern Michigan. Yeah, that's true. And at that point, it probably I mean, I comes down to a lot of relationships, head. like which coach you like. Where do you want to go to school? Do you want to go to school in Fargo, North Dakota, or do you want to go to school in Boone? Well, that's not 
I mean, here's the other thing too. Like the Mac is on television yes, every point. week, and people watch it. So like that also has like I, I've seen I mean, North Dakota State over the past really five good. years. I've I've, I've seen probably it. you know parts of twenty Eastern Michigan games. I've seen probably three. I've yeah, watched a yeah. million of them. Yeah, for my own <laughs> personal reasons, but I do uh, financial reasons. Matching yeah. is fun. Man. Financial. I don't. I I, th- I think playing in. Do you like the great turf fun. at the factory? It's hard. I, I thought I was having a stroke the first time I saw it. Uh, I was like, "Is this?" I was like, smashing the side of the TV. Like, why is? What am I watching? Uh, what's that? What's that movie? The kids' movie with the I don't shoes, know. the red heels. I don't know. It's a very famous uh, the yellow brick road. What, oh, what's that called? Um, yeah, Wizard of Oz. Oz. Okay, yeah. Is it because half of the movie, <laughs> half of the movie yeah. is in black and white, and it's just like, what the hell's going on here? It's like the field is black and white, but the uniforms are green. I can't figure out. It's like, am I like, you know? You don't go into the factory and win. I, I don't. I actually don't know that I, I like I it, do. to be honest. I think it's kind of cool. Now that I'm thinking about it. I think that Boise State captures. I hate watching games there, though. When they wear their blue uniforms and the blue turf, blue turf, it's, it's, I don't like it. It's hard to see. They blend in too much or something. Um, yeah. I, but I think everybody tried to copy it in some right. Like Eastern Washington has orange. I mean, uh, red turf. Yeah, red. Don't I saw they? a high school yeah. recently. No, I saw a baseball field recently that had a high school field or it's college field that had the uh, the the dirt paths like in purple, whatever the school colors were. It was kind of weird. Um, That's cool. All right. Um, the amount of money that these programs waste on shit like that is yeah. hilarious. Well, it clearly worked for Boise State. The branding, um, yeah, their 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 turf yeah. is blue. Um, their field. All right, is blue. Roger P. What effect do you think long term will the transfer portal and NIL have on smaller schools? These are kind of interesting. He has Virginia Tech. I wouldn't call Virginia Tech a smaller school. Duke, Wake, West Virginia, Virginia Tech. He grouped. I, I think it's the portal is has the same effect on every like you. You're always you're always at risk of yeah, losing I do players. Too. To schools higher in your food chain, but you're you're you can steal players from lower on the food chain. So I I don't think it, it depends on the coach. Also, you can steal players from higher on the food chain that right. aren't playing. It's up there. to your coach's attitude. Like I think how aggressive you want to be. I think that it. I think there's a lot of people who are freaked out by the transfer portal, and rightfully so, because there's a lot of movement. But I think that over the course of time, you'll see that it's uh, it's going to balance out. Yeah. Um. Just. Like you'll 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 be hurt sometimes, and you'll benefit from it sometimes, and everybody's kind of in the same. Yeah, it's kind of it's disorienting for fans because Alabama is at the top of the food chain, and they lose really good players all the time because they in the players that they lose would be the best player on eighty percent of every other team in the country, and they leave because they're not playing. Yeah, you know what? Didn't you Leo Billings yeah, just leave? Texas. I was just trying to think. Are they, Isn't the best best tight end in the yeah, entire country? Yeah, but he had country? some issues there. Like he's always seeming the doghouse. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, like they are at the very top of the food chain, so basically all they do is steal from below, or you know, parallel. Yeah, but yeah. they lose too. Everybody loses lose as depth. much as they they as lose they depth. All right, one more question. Um, it's from Hunter B. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I told Landis we'd start doing our podcast in ten minutes. So we've got ten minutes. Information that would have been well, yeah. It's, well, podcasting? it's information that I wish I would have known before we started. Like we've got a hard out at one forty-five or whatever. Well, if it's one forty nine, okay. we'll what's live. he doing? Not writing a story. I also have to go to the grocery store after this too and get sweet. I've got to go drop off a sweatshirt and a long sleeve shirt for my son Gabe because he forgot to bring them and it's cold out and he's got baseball practice. Should I go bring here? You're a parent. If you would you go? Would you make him freeze at baseball practice or go drop off his Under Armour like? Th- I would go drop yeah. off his stuff because you're not doing anything. Yeah, anymore. I'm. All, I'm a sorry. I was. I can't say no to my kids. You kept your whole salary while I was on paternity leave, so that means that you do one. F- fourth of less work and still are doing okay but we have other people uh at this week and i'm picking up other work you do your job i'll do mine are you oh, okay okay all right okay hunter b there's a pretty highly touted quarterback prospect out of alabama next cycle chris vizzini from briarwood christian the tides seem to have all their eggs in the arch manning basket if he ends up going elsewhere would it be too late to start recruiting this kid to join the class if arch ends up going elsewhere i would sit it's never too late for Alabama to recruit anybody That's why I ever. That's because I knew exactly what you were going to say. Okay, <laughs> okay. Alabama could recruit a five-star quarterback with three minutes left in the in the 
before midnight of the early signing period if they wanted to. I'm not saying they're going to get them all the time, but there's no such thing. Look right. at Georgia just with did. Andrew Paul. Well, but this kid's yeah, in state too. This kid, yeah, he doesn't need to be convinced, which would probably make yes. it easier for them. So yes. that's that's the advantage he, of being yeah, at the very I, top of the food chain in recruiting. You can. I like to think that the person who asked the question is an Alabama fan who's worried that the Crimson Tide aren't going to have a quarterback. Or maybe Hunter B is Chris Vizzini's cousin or dad or whatever. He just wants to wants some advice. Hunter B, if you're if you're an Alabama fan, you don't have a care yeah. in the world, man. Yeah, they're good. All right, you ready? <laughs> so since you got to go and do another podcast um, with your best friend Bill Bill Landis, uh, you ready for the question of the week? I am. It's, we were going to get to it right now anyway, so don't pretend like you're, I'm, you're feeling I'm devastated. Hurt. Okay. What's the What's the question? I'm going to try really hard. I'm not trying to get it right. <laughs> not I'm just going to try really hard not to embarrass myself. <laughs> that, that's the goal. Yeah. Don't want to embarrass yourself. I, who would have thought that your trivia idea at the right. end of every episode would just lead to mass ridicule by my Well, I already called you a dumbass that. before, and I feel bad. But um, <laughs> that's because okay. you didn't know you weren't married. So, um, I thought... And I also forgot the name yeah. of the Wizard of Oz. I, I was so it's such a I was so confused because like I thought it was some like off the radar movie, but not so. All right, 2018 quarterbacks, two four seven composite top fifteen quarterbacks. How many of them in the 2018 class? See, you you have an inability to pay attention to these questions. No, it's your internet connection's yeah. bad. It's your okay. internet. It's not mine. 2018 class. How many of the top 15 players did not transfer or have yet to transfer in their careers? Um, yes. You said quarterbacks, right? Of the top 15, how many have not transferred? 18. See, I can't see you right now. So are you looking this up? Uh, oh, no, no. Uh, I'm going to say four. I'm so proud of you. It's five. What? Your answer was not just totally. Hey, I didn't. I didn't embarrass yeah. myself. Honestly, when the range is only one to fifteen, <laughs> yeah. it's harder to be really, really stupid. But yeah, I'm actually surprised by that because I th- you would think that more of them would have just started. So the ones who did not, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, oh wait, wait, wait. Did DTR transfer? No, he announced he's coming back. Right? Yeah, DTR is coming back to UCLA. Tanner McKee. <coughs> excuse me, Tanner McKee at Stanford. Matt Corral at Ole Miss, in Emory Jones at Florida. There are rumors that he's transferring, but he's still there right now. He might transfer after spring. He's got another year of eligibility. And real quick, because I know you got to go, the ones who did transfer, Justin Fields, Georgia to Ohio State, JT Daniels, USC to Georgia to question mark, Justin Rogers, TCU to UNLV, Jaron Williams, Miami to UC, USF. I think he's somewhere else right now. Phil Jerkovich, Notre Dame to BC. Colson Yankoff, from Washington to UCLA, like it's a <laughs> yank off. You're going to make a joke. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> Look at you. Like, g- giggling. Um, Jacob Sermon, Washington to Central Michigan to somewhere else. Talk about an unfortunate <laughs> last name, bro. Like, honestly, like that is. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen you laugh so hard. We need to add some video here. Um, Adrian Martinez, Nebraska to Kansas State. Tyler Schuff. That's Schuff or Schuff? I've always, the uh, Oregon guy. I always forgot how to pronounce it. Are you even paying attention anymore? Texas Tech and Jack Tuttle, Utah to Indiana. So, are you okay? Can you? <laughs> yes. Can you? Uh, uh, thank you so much for listening to the latest edition of Stars Matter. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>